You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Shalom, Havarim Shalanu. You all know what that means because if you don't, that means you haven't been listening. But if you have, you know that means peace to you, our friends in Hebrew. This is Keith Johnson with Nehemia Gordon, ready to take another peek into the prophets to see if we can find even some more pearls to share with you. Shalom, Chaver Shali. Atamuchan, are you ready? Atamuchan, shalom Keith. It's ah, good to be with you. It's good to be with you. And can you believe it? We're still together. Yeah. <laughs> We're physically. Even though when this airs, you're going to be on the other side of the world, and I'll be wandering uh, throughout the world. And folks, you should know that. That's true. Uh, uh, Nehemiah doesn't know where, literally right now. I have no clue where I'm no going to be when this is broadcast. Yeah, I'll be Not even your... what state. Yeah, I will your... probably be in the U.S. Ah, that's awesome. Well, we hope so. Because uh, we're going to need to be uh, recording. But, you know, the nice thing about technology today mm-hmm. is that we're able to record from anywhere in the world, really, if we have access to the Internet, which isn't always the case, as we found out. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> so one of the reasons that we're recording ahead is that um, because of our uh, locations, which some are unknown and some are still to be determined. There's we the need no to get knowns as, and the unknown. Yeah, unknowns. we want to get as many of these recorded. And we've decided to do it in integrity. Spend the time in research, spend the yeah. time in prayer, spend the time in discussion, mm-hmm. and then get right into it. So that's yeah. what we're doing with this particular... And we have the shortest book in all of the Tanakh and the Hemia we're yeah. about to do. This is the only time where we're going to do in Prophet Pearls an entire book of the Tanakh. We're doing an entire book for those who don't know. And, and, and just to remind people, so you have these traditional Prophet portions, as we've said before, and they correspond to Torah portions... Now, the Torah portions cover the entire Torah over a period of 54 weeks. The prophet portions don't cover the entire section of the prophets. Mm -hmm. They only cover something like 12% of the prophets. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's because simply, you know, the idea in the synagogue was to read something that corresponded to the Torah portion during times of persecution when they couldn't read the Torah. And here we are reading a section that corresponds to a Torah portion. Okay. And so why don't you do this since last week? You so clearly, I mean, I I tried my best to tell you what it said in the NIV and you just... You just you 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 pushed us on what the English translation is. What's the Hebrew yeah. translation of the name of this book? Ovadia. Ovadia. Yes. Yeah, so it's so called Obadiah. For Obadiah. Us. <laughs> Obadiah. Obadiah. All you Texans Ob- out there. Obadiah. <laughs> Obadiah is um is you know it means Eved Yah, the mm. the servant of Yah. Amen. And that's I, I it's really interesting. Bahami, as I was reading, whenever I'm reminded uh, of his name, I'm reading from that that context that he's basically mm. you know he's a servant, and so mm-hmm. and and again the first word that comes up that I actually like that we talked about a few weeks ago, if you remember, it's yeah. the vision of Obadiah. Obadiah. And, uh, yeah, and so when we say the vision of Obadiah, uh, mm-hmm. Obadiah, um, it reminded me of the actual word, the chazon, which mm. we did mention before. Um, yeah, and 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 that's you know we find that throughout the uh, throughout the Tanakh, but it isn't only the idea of the vision, meaning like uh, I saw something, mm-hmm. is if it's fair to say uh, this, you know, what would be a fir- what would be a deeper or maybe a, a wider definition of the word. I mean, vision is what we would call an English prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, some people, yeah. It, it, you know, and, and we get this image in, in Jeremiah where he's speaking to the false prophets and challenging them. And he says, who among you has stood in the council of Jehovah? Mm. Let him make known what he has heard. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the idea there is that, uh, and we see this with uh, Michaihu or mm-hmm. Micaiah mm-hmm. in, in, uh, in uh, Kings. What, what the prophets would do is, or many of the prophets, is they would have this experience where they would be standing in the throne room, mm-hmm. hearing Yehovah speaking to the angels, and that's what they were reporting in their prophecies. And when they were saying, thus says Yehovah, that's what they heard. Mm-hmm. They overheard these things being spoken by Yehovah to his uh, the host of heaven. Yeah, that's just amazing. And, and so this vision, he saw it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, and what he saw is, is the, next, uh, the next thing. And I, I wanted to stop right here, right in the beginning. Because it's something that's uh, connected mm-hmm. to something that you and I have talked a lot about. Mm-hmm. It's um, it says this is what and now, now normally we're gonna let me just see. It says this is what the sovereign Lord says about the sovereign Edom. Lord. It says the sovereign Lord. Uh-huh. So I want us to stop. Uh, and, and what's what I what I appreciate actually about the phrase is it makes me stop and say, okay, so what does the word sovereign mean in mm-hmm. English? So when I go behind the word sovereign, I see the word Adonai. Adonai. Yeah. Right. Now, here's what here's what threw me off in the, when I first started looking at this this information of God's name and why his his name is oftentimes substituted with the title Adonai. There are times mm-hmm. actually in the Tanakh where he is referred to as Adonai. Yeah, about and, 300. Yeah, about 300, 292 to be is exact. Is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> so anyway, I think it's 291. You can check for yourself. 
But but what's interesting about it is is that the the, the English says sovereign lord, and of course the next word in English is capital L O R D. But when you look in the in the, the Hebrew, it is it is uh, Adonai and then Yud Hey Vav Hey. So what we have is sovereign lord, and I'm not, and I'm still trying to figure out. To now you've challenged you, me and told me to check. So the two ninety three. What is it? So it's actually four hundred and forty four. No, I mean exactly. Yeah, okay. four hundred and forty four places where it says Adonai referring to Jehovah. But then in uh, 134 of those places, it actually has the name Yehovah adjacent to Adonai. So Adonai by itself without Yudhei right, Vavhei right, so. is 310 times mm-hmm. in. But we happen to know that one of those is a mistake in the uh, Leningrad Codex, which is the basis of this mm-hmm. computer program. So really, really, it's 300, 309. Well, do me a favor. Do, go, go, go back and look yeah. at the exact connection. Adonai, Yudhei Vavhei. Yeah. Those two within one word. Not, not yeah. you know, obviously... Connected so one. there's 301 where you have Adonai Yehovah, mm-hmm. and then Yehovah Adonai, you have a, a few times too. You have six times. So okay, it's all so there's 307. Switches. So very, very close. Um, and so we have this, but here's my question. Hmm. When they when they so decided that's... to say Adonai as sovereign, well, what, what, for you, imagine you're on the... Imagine you're on the, um, on the so end. I take that back. There's 134 times it has Adonai by itself. That's what it is. Right, okay. Okay, we got that backwards. No problem. We're good. Yeah. But, uh, so, you're so it's asking? in 291 verses. That's what you were. That's what I was saying. 291 but then verses. But sometimes it appears more than once in the same verse. That phrase, I don't know, Yehovah. You know, we work through it and we come to find out yeah. we're all right. <laughs> May it be <laughs> something like that. <laughs> anyway, right. but but when they said uh, when they said uh, uh, that, yeah. now now it's interesting. So why does your thing get sovereign lord? Well, no, no. no I want to say something. From? Something. So what it says in the English, my English NASB, mm-hmm. um, it says it says L O R D and it's not capital L O R D. What they do is they say, thus saith Lord, says the Lord, and then they say God with a little with a little mm-hmm. note. So then God, because it's connected to Adonai, is the four-letter name yod heh So if you don't actually <laughs> know what's kind of going on, you could really get confused. I mean, if you really right. are just reading it in the English, it says, thus saith L-O-R-D, little, little O-R-D, and then big G with capital O-D. But again, looking in the Hebrew text, we see Adonai is for the sovereign or Lord, and then Yehovah is so, for So let me just make God. that really clear to people. Mm-hmm. So whenever it says yod heh Yehovah in the Hebrew text, 6,827 times, mm-hmm. that is read in Jewish tradition as Adonai. Yes. Except in these 300 approximate, uh, approximately 307 places where the word Adonai already appears. And so what the tradition said is we're not going to say Adonai, Adonai twice. Mm-hmm. When one of those is an authentic Adonai and one is a yod Vavhe, we're going to say Adonai Elohim. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where it gets a little confusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and Elohim, for those who don't know, is God. Is, is right. for God. And yes. that's why they have in your NASB, in, in accordance with this Jewish tradition, Lord God. Mm-hmm. The God is in capital letters this time, not the Lord. Mm-hmm. Lord is regular, you know, mm-hmm. regular uh, mm-hmm. Adonai. Yeah. So it says, thus saith yod Vavhe. Uh, Adonai Yehovah concerning Edom. Wait, so we got to talk about this character, um, Ovadia. Mm-hmm. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Ovadia. Who is Ovadia? Ovadia. Mize. Who is M- he? Mize. He's a servant of Yah. Well, so think about it. All, many of the other prophets, and I, I can't say all, but most of the other prophets, it'll give some kind of little introduction which tells you who he is. So let's, you know, just really quickly look at Isaiah mm-hmm. chapter 1. And where we he's have, from and who he's connected to. And it says, to. you know, the vision of Isaiah the son of Amot, who saw uh, concerning Jer- Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah and Ahaz and Hezekiahu. And then, la- was it last week? Who, when were we talking about a, Oh, last week we were talking about the northern prophet Hosea. Mm-hmm. And it says, The word of Jehovah that was to Hosea, the son of Be'er, in the days of Uzziah, Yotam, Ahaz, Hezekiah, kings of Judah, mm-hmm. and the days of Yeravam, the son of Yoash, king of Israel. So it's telling us his, his which kings he's, you know, during the reign of which kings he's speaking. Mm-hmm. And but what about Ovadia? Who when did he live? Mm. Do, do you, oh. Off the top of my head, yeah. Or from from, from reading? No, from reading. Eight, what do you, what eight, do you know? Eight, was yeah. it eight eight fifty nine hundred? Well, the answer is we eight, don't we don't know. We don't one hundred percent sure. So uh, so Jewish tradition connects this Ovadia with a man in the Book of Kings who's referred to as Ovadia, mm-hmm. and specifically he's mentioned in, for example, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 3, mm-hmm. and it says, And Ahab had summoned Obadiah, the steward of the palace. Mm-hmm. Obadiah revered Jehovah greatly. Okay, and so they, what they, and this is typical in rabbinical uh, literature, what they'll try to do is they'll try to connect a known character with an unknown character. Mm-hmm. For example, we have a very famous ancestor named Shem. He's the founder of the Shemites, you know, of the... Of, 
And what they'll do is they'll take a character who's unknown like Melchizedek. Who is this Melchizedek? We never heard of this guy. And they'll say, oh, Melchizedek is Shem. Or another thing they'll You're do is... You're making that up, right? They don't do that. No, they do. They'll take Sarah, the um, foremother of, of Israel, and they'll take this woman named Yiska, who we don't know who that is, Jessica in English, and um, and they'll say, oh, Sarah is Yiska, even though it's a different name and there's no indication. And you're that... saying this comes from the... Look, and, and th- well, this is, what the, this is actually a, a method of rabbinical interpretation. What they'll do is they'll take the known character and the unknown character and they'll combine them. Mm. And that's because they're not comfortable admitting that there's a character they don't know something about. One of my most ridiculous examples that I love is, um, uh, you know, people have asked me, where does this come from? And the answer is, they just make this stuff up. You know, and, and, and one, one example is, um, you know, uh, Deborah, who is the the, uh, the prophetess, and she is a general named Barak. Now, it says Deborah is the wife of a man named Lapidot. And the rabbis are really nervous about this. There's this woman, and she's telling a man what to do, and she has a husband who we don't know who that is. So they say, oh, Lapidot is just Barak. But wait a minute, he's not called Barak, he's called Lapidot. Wait, are you telling me, Nehemia, there are times that even if you're a, a rabbi, if you've got mm-hmm. that rabbi um, title before your name, mm-hmm. there are situations where there would be something that wouldn't... I mean, I have to be honest with you, there mm-hmm. there are some people who would say, well, because the rabbis say, or because yeah. the, the the version that the rabbis read, that means yeah. that automatically it's it's legitimate. You're saying there are times that the, the, the rabbis are, are, are wrong? Well, there's times where they just make stuff up, and it has no basis in reality. And, and what I love about this example of Obadiah is uh, this man who is, you know, a steward of the house. He's some, like, government official, which doesn't really even fit our prophet's, you know, profile. Um, and, he, you know, uh, and let me read you the rest of the passage Give here. Give us the verse there. Yeah, it's read. 1 Kings 18.3. It starts, Ahab would summon Obadiah, the steward of the palace. Ob- Obadiah uh, revered Jehovah greatly. When Jezebel was killing off the prophets of Jehovah, Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them, 50 to a cave, and provided them with food and drink. Um, and Ahab had said to Obadiah, go through the land to all the springs of water and to all the uh, wadis. Perhaps we shall find some grass to keep horses and mules alive so that we are not left without beasts, etc., etc. Obadiah, in verse 7, Obadiah was on the road when Elijah suddenly confronted him. Obadiah recognized him and, and flung himself in his face saying, is that you, my Lord, Elijah? Uh, Obadiah went to find Ahab. Uh, oh no, hold on a second. So then they have this encounter and uh, Obadiah, you know, Elijah says, you got to go tell, um, you know, your king, Elijah is here. Um, and, and Obadiah responds, what wrong have I done that you should hand your servant over to Ahab to be killed? As Jehovah your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom, etc. Basically, he says, wait a minute, if I go tell Ahab that, you've, that Elijah's appeared to me, you're going to disappear. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Ahab's, and Ahab's going to yeah. kill me. Yep. Now, how could this possibly be the prophet? The prophet is, you know, is, is, is you know, it doesn't even make sense. This prophet is like, you know, um, not knowing what Jehovah is planned with Elijah and he's hiding prophets. Well, why didn't Jezebel kill him? That doesn't even make sense if he was a prophet. And here's the point. The rabbis just make stuff up. Now, what I love about this example is Ibn Ezra, who was a rabbi in the 13th century. And a lot of these traditions come from what I, you know, what we might call early rabbis. I mean, the rabbinical movement started around 200 BC and the Talmud was completed around 500 AD. So in that 700 year period, they make a lot of stuff up and that's considered like the the ancient period of the rabbis. Well, this later rabbi, Ibn Ezra, in around the 13th century, he comes along and he says, you know, what our rabbi said, come on, that, that's ridiculous. They just, you know, that's no basis for that. He didn't say ridiculous. He was more respectful than me, perhaps. Um, but he says, look, you know, there's no reason to think that the Obadiah in Kings has anything to do with Obadiah, who was a prophet. They obviously didn't even live in the same period because what Obadiah is talking about here is the destruction of the temple in which the the um, and, end of, of Judea, which the... Um, which the Edomites were part of. Mm-hmm. And so how could he be in the time of Ahab in like 850 BC? Mm-hmm. That's like 200 years you know, or more before it happened. That doesn't even make sense. Mm. So it's, you know, this is the cute little thing they like to do is take, you know, Melchizedek and say that's Shem, but that, I mean, that, that just distorts the text. It, it, it creates these so, anachronisms. So is it, fair, is it fair to say, and, and I, I give respect to those that study the teachers, the, you know, the preachers, the pastors that are, that are trying to find out yeah. how to teach the people. But I think the key to that for me anyway is, um, you know, study the scriptures for yourself and right. be able to find out, you know, as you're able to find out what the tools that you have to find out what it means. And you can compare and contrast that with what someone of mm-hmm. places of authority can say. I, unfortunately, for me, one of the hard things was the first time that I realized that just because it said, my pastor said, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I found out that what my pastor said didn't match with what the scripture said. 
Yeah. And and the list goes on. Same thing for. Well, I mean, for, I mean, for me, and you know, uh, well, let's not spend too long. Well, yeah, I'll share the story that I remember when I was a little kid and we were studying Rashi, who was this you know great 12th century rabbi. He's considered the greatest commentator among the rabbis. And he would say something, and I'd say, wow, he's so smart. I wish I could be that smart. I wish I could know enough to be able to read about this Obadiah and know that he's the guy from the time of Ahab, even though he's describing the destruction of the temple. I'm just not smart enough. And now with my master's degree in biblical studies from Hebrew University of Jerusalem, Hebrew I, University. <laughs> I can look back and say, Rashi was just making it up a lot of the time. And 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 here's, my, here's what I want to encourage people. If somebody tells you something in the Bible... And they and it doesn't make sense to you, and they can't prove it. Then you have permission to say, okay, maybe maybe they're wrong. Maybe they made it up. Maybe they just think that, and there's no proof for it. What? Okay. Yeah. I was trying to get past that, folks, before he started talking yeah. about it, but <laughs> I wasn't able to. So now, can I go to verse one? Sure. Let's do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. This is what uh, in my, my my translation, but in the Hebrew says Adonai Yehovah says about Edom. And we should, you know, again, we should let people know who Adom is or what Adom is yeah. and what's connected. Because if you read the prophet portion, uh, I mean, if you read the Torah portion, yeah. you hear the whole story about Jacob and Esau, uh, the two brothers. And then, of course, we know that Adom comes from Esau and the list goes on. Yeah. I mean, and that's, people can listen to the original Torah pearls on Himiswall.com and BFAinternational.com. Absolutely. Which we did, what, about three or four years ago? Three years ago, yeah. So it says, we have heard a message from Yehovah. An envoy was sent to the nations to say... Rise and let us go against her for battle. Now, I stopped there, Nehemiah, because when I saw the word rise and let us go against her, and maybe this is a, maybe this was just me being overly um, uh, anal about it, but I, I was, I was, I was just wondering, I was just wondering when I'm, when I'm, uh, when reading and it says, uh, rise and go against her. When you read that, what did, what hit you? Um, so in. I mean, what's the problem? <laughs> no, it's not a matter of problem. What? How did? In other words, when you read that, how did it hit so, you? So here's the thing: in Hebrew, when we have genders, male and female, mm -hmm. they don't necessarily correspond to the English genders of mm -hmm. male and female. Sometimes and, I'm and trying to pitch it. this guy a yeah. softball, and he just won't realize I'm giving him a softball. No, so he, so <laughs> well, so here, uh, Edom is is the her. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's obvious to me in Hebrew. Mm. Um, it's a nation, so it can be a her. Um, so there's no problem with that. No, it's not. It's a matter of a problem. It's a matter of saying what it is that's 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 mm -hmm. what i'm saying but it says here see i will make you small among the nations you will be utterly despised the pride of your heart has deceived you you who live in the clefts of the rocks and make your home in the heights you who say to yourself who can bring me down to the ground though you're sore like the eagle and make your nest among the stars from there i will bring you down declares yehovah and i'll be honest when i read that passage mm -hmm. i wasn't thinking Back at the time, I know, first of all, you always want to find out what the context is, but I kind of jumped ahead and I mm. almost felt like I was in present day, um, in many, in, pre in my present generation, the many yeah. organizations, nations, governments that this could be referring to. Yeah. And, and, you know, so here, here, the first thing I think of is the geography of Edom, mm -hmm. the kingdom of, you know, and I guess you guys say Edom. Mm. So the geography of Edom is it's in what's today, um, southwestern, uh, the king, southwestern kingdom of Jordan. Mm -hmm. It's on the other side of the Arava Valley from mm -hmm. uh, the Negev Desert in Israel, and it's a mount, it's an area of great mountains. And so the maybe the most famous thing in Edom today is, of course, Petra. Mm -hmm. um, Petra is that uh, actually a Nabataean city, um, you know, which was in the movie uh, the Third Indiana Jones movie, and it's very famous. And we actually chose that for the image. You actually for... watched the Third Indiana Jones movie? Oh. I'd never made it to the Third Indiana Jones. Oh, really? Movie. No. <laughs> so I actually went to Petra in Jordan, and every single night in Petra, they show that movie. Every night at every hotel, every guest house, every every hostel, they yeah. show that movie. That's actually where I saw it. Um, so, but the, you know, it's a very famous place. And, and some people argue that that actually that Petra, which you know that men, that's mentioned in the Bible. Um, can we look at that real yes, quick? Yes, absolutely. Because that will, you know, that helps us understand this image of them dwelling in the rock. What is that about? Mm -hmm. um, and, and what it's about is simply the, the geography. It's the, it's this area where it's very rocky, and if you want to build your house, you build it into the rocks, mm -hmm. um, into the stone, into the into the cliffs of the mountains. And um, two Kings chapter fourteen verse seven is speaking about this battle that took place. And it says, he defeated 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Where's the Valley of Salt, Keith? You've been to Israel? The Valley of Salt. Where's the Valley of Salt? That's the, that's the yeah, Dead Sea. The Dead Sea. We've in been English, many times. The, in Hebrew, the Dead Sea is called the Yam HaMelech, the Sea mm -hmm. of Salt. Mm -hmm. So the Valley of Salt is the surrounding valley. 
So he 10,000 Edomites in the Sea of Salt, and he captured Selah in battle and renamed it Yoktael, mm-hmm. as is still the case. So Selah, Selah is the Hebrew word for rock. Mm-hmm. So he captured some city in Edom, in the land of the Edomites, called Selah. And Selah is rock. And what does Petra mean? Rock. Mm-hmm. So Petra is just the Greek name for Selah. Mm-hmm. So this is a city that goes back to the time of these events in two kings, um, you know, during these battles between the Israelites and, and the Edomites. What's interesting, of course, is when we talked about this in the original Torah pearls, is the, you know, we hear about the eight kings who ruled over Edom before there was a king in Israel. But mm-hmm. we'll leave that for people to go listen to, mm-hmm. to that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it says here, if thieves come to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you. Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked. Now, there again, here's the word Esau. So if we go into Genesis chapter, I believe it is 30, 28. Uh, what is it? Uh, no, 32, so 32 to 36. To 36, is that's where you can get more information about yeah. this. But again, here's the connection. He's talking about Edom, and now he's talking about Esau. But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. And I have to say again, last mm-hmm. week, yeah. when we talked about, here's Jacob, here's here's Israel, and then the next thing you know is you're talking about um, Ephraim. Yeah. I mean, this this this, this uh, connection between the words and switching back and forth between the name right. And what it's called. Right. So let's ask this question. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does this mean, what we just read? Mm-hmm. What is he saying? If, if thieves came to you, they what, what's this about? Mm-hmm. And, and we don't really know. But my, my understanding here uh, is that um, he's saying, so here's what happened. Judah was destroyed. Mm-hmm. And they were destroyed by the Babylonians. But the Babylonians had many allies. And one of those allies was Edom. Mm-hmm. Edom came, and we'll read about that in a few minutes. Um but apparently what this is referencing is that when they uh, pillaged Judea, what was left of Judea, after the Babylonians left, they picked everything clean, even more than what they needed. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, even if, if thieves were to come to you, marauders by night, they would steal no more than they needed, but you stole more than you even you needed. You stole more than you needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just that they attacked Judah. They did it in a, in a horrible way. Yeah. And then, and then, he, and then he says, oh, what disaster awaits you? Would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If great pickers yeah. came to you. Not leave a few grapes, but how Esau will be ransacked, mm-hmm. his hidden treasures pillaged. All of your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. It's almost like, you know, this is what's going to happen, how it's going to happen. I'm not almost like it's exactly what it's like. This mm-hmm. is what's going to happen. So before, before, um, let's see here. It says in verse eight, where am I at now? Let's go to verse 9. Yeah, verse, verse 9. Eight. No, go to eight, do 8 and 9. Yeah, yeah, let me do 8 and 9. Uh, in that day, declares Jehovah, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, men of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, O Timon, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. No, what? All right, so what is this reference to the wise men of Edom? Do you, mm, you know what that's about? The wise men of Edom, no. So the men of Edom were known to be very, very wise. Mm-hmm. And who's the most famous wise man of Edom? The most famous Edomite sage is Job. Mm-hmm. The book of Job. Can I read that uh, opening well, here? Why don't you read the whole book? I won't read the whole book. <laughs> Job 1.1, 1, 1, there was a man in the land of Uts named Eov. That man was blameless and upright and he feared God and shunned evil. Okay, so why do we think he is um, an Edomite? So Uts, uh, there's all these figures that show up, like Eliphaz the Tamanite, mm-hmm. which is, and we know Taman is mm-hmm. a place in Edom. Mm-hmm. And uh, the language, here's the really interesting thing, the language of the middle portions of the book of Job, when people are actually speaking, it's not the narrator, mm-hmm. it's Job and his three friends speaking, is different than the entire rest of the Tanakh. Mm-hmm. I mean, we mentioned last week how Hosea, Hosea was different, the Hebrew was different than the Tanakh, rest of the Tanakh. But that was like the English we speak, where I come from, Chicago, and the, pe- the English people speak in, I don't know, in Georgia or Texas. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that different. There's mm-hmm. little, little differences, but it wasn't that. Whereas the, the Hebrew of Job is, some people have actually said it's not Hebrew. And many people have argued that it's actually a dialect of Hebrew called mm-hmm. Edomite, that it's the mm-hmm. Edomite dialect of Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Um, that these were simply Edomites, uh, Job and his three friends, who were, you know, had this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's very possible. Mm-hmm. And so the wise men of Edom, Edom was known for its wise men, for its sages. And that's what Job is all about, you know, wisdom. Mm-hmm. It's a wisdom book. Um, and he's saying those, you know, that wisdom will be lost and you're going to be destroyed. And here it even mentions Timon. Mm-hmm. There it is. Yeah. And then, of course, verse 10 well, is where Before I, we get to verse 10, yeah, can we talk about the structure of the book? So, yes. so this is the only time I think we're going to have an opportunity to speak. Oh, no, in Isaiah, we talked about the structure. Yep. How there's we three sections. Up. So here there's three sections as well. 
Hebrew loves the, the, the number three, I guess. Hayahoveh, yeah, was, is, will be. Um, Obadiah chapter one, well, it's all chapter one. So verses one <laughs> through nine, it describes the destruction of Edom. Verses 10 through 14 is the rebuke of Edom for the mistreatment of Israel, and mm-hmm. specifically Judah. And then 15 to 21 is the destruction of Edom, but in the context of the day of Yehovah. Amen. And I can't wait till we get to that oh, one. <laughs> Maybe we should skip right through. <laughs> no, 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 we can't because okay. we got to stop at so 10. Let's do, so let's do 10 to 14. Let me just, let me do this. Yeah. Um, when I when I came across this, one of the things that I always encourage people to do, obviously, as you're able, there are there are a lot of tools out there and you can you can use tools to, to get behind words and that sort of thing. And even in the simplest way, Nehemiah, where you can can click a word and, and see what that word means. Now, I think sometimes people go too far and they begin to build theologies off of not really understanding the grammatical aspects of a sentence or that sort of thing. But when I um, when I see this, I, I'm sort of we talk about this thing being yesterday, today and, and, and tomorrow. Yeah. So when I get to verse 10, I think about today. And mm-hmm. the reason I think about today is because of the words, actually. And and actually, I wanted if that was okay. Yeah. I wanted um, this to be the word of the week uh, in verse oh. ten because in verse ten it says this, and I actually it have shows here the word of the week last week. Well, go I, ahead. well I will okay. two go in ahead. a row just just in case. I mean, I, you know, oh, yeah. go ahead. it's the word of the week as is the word violence in English, and it's spelled in Hebrew chet mem and not samach, yeah. and that is for the word Hamas. and and the word Hamas, we use it for violence, and it's this is obviously not the only time that it's used. It's actually used several times throughout uh, the Tanakh. But the reason I want that to be the word of the week, and, and again, talking about now, when I think about what's happening, and I want to switch for a second over to, um, yeah, today. To, to, to today, and Hamas, I wrote a lot about this in Breaking Israel News, and just looking at the action, I don't know if you know it or not, they let me be a guest editor for Breaking Israel News. Wait, you, you, and I know. Wait, they, is, that, is, is that like part of BFA International? No, Breaking? absolutely That's not. Like it's over website it's, you wrote on? No, it's over in Israel, and they have oh, this, um, wow. you know, it's a, it's a, what I love about this uh, this particular site, it's called Breaking Israel News, um, news from a biblical perspective. And so they asked oh, me. they say to, biblical, are they Christians? Or? No, no, no. This is These are people that are, and in fact, I got to tell you something. The owner of Breaking Israel News is a, is an Orthodox rabbi. Really? Yeah. And the, many of the people, and all they have of the a people, Methodist pastor. and all of wow. the people that are actually um, that are actually behind that that site happen to be in Israel. Uh, Jewish people that are in Israel. But one of the things that's amazing about the site is a lot of Christian people go to that site mm-hmm. because they want to find out what's going on in Israel from a biblical perspective. Yeah. So they asked me to be one of these people that can be a guest uh, opinion, you know, you know, do op-eds. But one of the things that I was really uh, struck by was Hamas. And Hamas is the, the philosophy behind Hamas. And when I think now you about... you mean the Hebrew word for violence? No, I'm talking about the group Hamas. Everyone knows about the group Hamas, which the, rules over the, Gaza. Yeah, it rules over Gaza. The terrorist story. And they had they had uh, they had a, a fifty day a fifty day war. That's one of many. Yeah. But when I think about them, I think about this word. I mean, they picked the word Hamas, and so they're 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 living out what their name is. You know, then this is what is so baffling to me. So here we're going to have an, a, a government that's going to have an alliance with a terrorist organization whose name is Hamas. It's Hamas. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I mean, his name is Hamas and no one stops and says, now wait a minute. You know, what's what's going on here? I mean, so for me, when I see this word because of violence, again, the word itself is Hamas. Het Mem Samik. And you can find this and look, if, I don't know if you're willing to, to do a real quick check. Yeah. Maybe I'll do it while you're looking at, looking at that. While I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm going to look up how many times we see the word Hamas, and then you go ahead and, and talk about what you have there. Yeah, no, so uh, you want to know how many times Hamas is 64, in the I that think, I think, hold on, 64. So I've got 68. 68, let's see here. Okay. Yep. Oh, and the first time here is in uh, Genesis 6.11 when it says, you know, it's speaking about the flood, that the land was filled mm-hmm. with Hamas. Mm-hmm. And God wanted to destroy it, yeah, therefore. It Hamas. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, basically, you're, basically, what I was—I well, guess—the reason I wanted to stop and slow down a little bit is that today we see a, a, a biblical word, a, a group that takes that biblical word, violence, and yeah. you know, we, the, the Hamas government, the Hamas. This. Well, why don't we just say it what it is? I mean, it's it's the it's violence. Hamas. Well, <laughs> it's yeah. violence is what it is. So yeah. anyway, I wanted to stop and say that. Um, just that's that's an example of okay. a an ancient Hebrew word um, being played out presently today, and it's it's the meaning being the same. And and. Um... And the context here is that Edom has this Hamas against uh, Israel, mm-hmm. and that's why God is rebuking. Um, it says, for, for the Hamas against your brother Jacob, disgrace shall engulf you, and you shall perish forever. Mm. Amen. And may it be. Yeah. Wow. <sighs> okay, can I go to verse 11? Yeah. On that day you stood aloof. On that day the strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gate. 
and cast lots for Jerusalem, you too were as one of them. And and when I read that, I think about the person who watches, and maybe we can get a Torah example of this. Mm-hmm. The person who st- he says he stands aloof. I'm not sure how it reads there, but the idea he is stood watching. You're, you're, you're watching yeah. while your brother yeah. is being uh, pillaged, and yeah. then you might as well have done the same thing. Well, and then he gets involved. Exactly. Um, that's what we read in the next couple of verses. Yep, 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 we, yep. we read those. And then... yep. Do not gloat over your brother's day, the day of his misfortune, and do not rejoice over the sons of Judah in the day of their destruction. Yes, do not boast in the day of their distress. Do not enter the gates of my people in the day of their disaster. And I, I don't know, Nehemiah, it's a... Yeah. Three different times he's saying the same thing. The phrase is, the phrase is again, do not rejoice, do not boast, do not enter mm-hmm. in the day of the distress, in the yeah. day of the destruction, in the day of their disaster. Yeah. This sounds like a Methodist preacher. <laughs> <laughs> he's an Israelite preacher. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Psalm 137 is what this brings to mind for me, mm-hmm. which says, Remember, O Yehovah, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall, how mm-hmm. they cried, stripper, stripper to her very foundations. Mm-hmm. Um and then we also have an Isaiah 34. Mm-hmm. Let me read that one real quick. Um, tap, tap on my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what this is referring to is, again, this is, it says, For my sword shall be drunk in the sky. Lo, it shall come down upon Edom, mm-hmm. upon the people I have doomed to wreak judgment. Yehovah has a sword. It is sated with blood. It is gorged with fat, the blood of lambs. And uh, he goes to the kidney fat of rams. For Yehovah holds a sacrifice in Botsrah, that was the capital of Edom, mm-hmm. a great slaughter in the land of Edom. So there, Isaiah is speaking in the future, uh, you know, as a prophecy. And here, Obadiah, Ovadia is looking in the past and saying, this is what you did. Mm-hmm. This happened. Mm-hmm. You did these horrible things to your brother in the day that she was attacked by the Babylonians and, 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 and taken into exile and, um, and the city destroyed. You got involved, and 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 you're her, and you're the brother. Mm-hmm. You're not some somebody from a thousand miles away. Mm-hmm. You're you're the brother of Jacob. Mm-hmm. This is what you did to your brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then verse fifteen comes. This is the exciting verse. Wait, here. And one more thing oh, here sorry. about this verse twelve: um, how you gaze with glee. So what this reminded me of is again is um, is uh, the Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Mm-hmm. And there we have in Proverbs twenty four seventeen. Um, one second. Tap, 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 tap. Yeah. So it says, if your enemy falls, do not exult. What does mm-hmm. exult mean? In Hebrew it says, tismach. Don't be happy. Don't be happy. If he trips or stumbles, let your heart not rejoice. Which I think is a really powerful teaching there. In, um, uh, and then it goes on. It, it says in verse 18, lest Jehovah see it and be displeased and avert his wrath from him. Um, so, you know, the natural reaction for many people, I think it's human nature, is we see somebody, you know, we see our enemy suffering, and we have this big smile on our face. Ha, 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 that's what happened to him, ha, ha. But Yehovah is saying to us, don't do that. Mm. Don't, don't be happy when, you're, when, you're, when even your enemy suffers uh, and stumbles and, and, you know, bad things happen to him. And this is exactly what Edom did. He uh, says, how could you gaze with glee on your brother that day on this day of calamity? How could you gloat over the people of Judah on that day of ruin? Mm-hmm. How could you loudly jeer in a day of anguish? Mm. They they saw Judah, who you know maybe was their enemy at that point, was definitely their enemy. And we can read in Kings mm-hmm. how Edom was actually subjugated by David. Mm-hmm. He conquered it. He um, wiped out the, the the cream of their of their mm-hmm. nation. Um, and then they eventually rebelled later. And it's actually the opening of two kings is the rebellion of, of mm-hmm. Edom against Judea. Um, and so they had a, they had an axe to grind. They had a reason to hate Judah, mm-hmm. to hate uh, Yehuda, mm-hmm. but they should not have been happy at the at the fall of Edom, mm-hmm. at the fall of Israel, the suffering of the Jews. Exactly. Yeah. Well, verse fifteen says. Now here's the part that you were excited yeah. about. For the day of the Lord is no, what no, it you, says. You means. skipped fourteen. I thought you said fifteen. Go to. No, you skipped fourteen. Read fourteen. Oh wait, no, do not stay. You should read fourteen. Go ahead, read fourteen. No, I'll read in fifteen. No, read, read, no, no, translate it. No, translate 14. fourteen. I'll wait till fifteen. Go ahead. Okay. Um, do not stand by the crossroads to cut off his refugees, mm-hmm. and do not uh, um, turn over his um, remnant in the day of trouble. Mm-hmm. And what that meant is, is the Jews were fleeing from the Babylonians, and where would they flee into the desert? And what's right. in the desert? In the desert is Edom, is the Edomites, mm-hmm. and they would capture these Judeans who were running from Jerusalem during this, you know, the fall of Jerusalem at the hand of the Babylonians, and they would turn them over to the Babylonians. They'd sell them to the Babylonians. And they, you know, cut off the refugees. Boy, that sounds like uh, modern-day uh, battles in different countries. Yeah. So, now verse 15. 
for the day of the Lord draws near on all the nations. And of course, as Mm -hmm. you have done, it will be done to you. It says your dealings, uh, your dealings will return on your own head. And of course, both of us, I'm sure you, Nehemiah, when you saw that phrase, it caught your attention. And it certainly caught my attention when I saw day of the Lord. And I just did a simple little thing. I just went and asked myself the question, okay, when I'm looking at the word uh, day of the Lord, I wanted to know for myself, where does that show up? Because for me, in my background, one of the things that I, I think about is, well, day of the Lord, that's something that we only talk about in the New Testament, the day of the Lord coming and the day of the Lord approaching. Really? It, really, the, the, like the day of the Lord and my whole upbringing, everything that I came about, the day of the Lord is the last day. The day when, you know, everything's going to change. There's going to be God's kingdom is going to come. And what was really what was really interesting for me when I started first looking into the Tanakh, I had this experience where I was offered two books. One was the skinny book and one was the big book. And the skinny book for me was the New Testament. I came from an unchurched background, didn't have any background at all in the church. And when someone offered me, I wasn't much of a reader. And they offered me, hey, you have two choices in this new spiritual life that you're about to go into, you can either read the skinny book or you can read the big book. And the skinny book for me was the book of John. They hand me the book of John. And so I read the book of John real quick. And, and I went back to them. I said, okay, I read the book of John. They say, okay, well, here, you can read another skinny book, not as big as the big book. It's the New Testament, but you got to start in the beginning, which was Matthew. And I kept coming across all these phrases and, you know, David, you know, and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of these names, and I, I would say, what about these names? They said, well, you'd have to read the big book to understand that. And understanding the big book, all of a sudden, my eyes were open that I realized that, wait a minute, so these things that are coming from the, and, and you have to understand, for me, you say, it's obvious, this is an obvious issue. <laughs> well, for me, I'm unchurched, never saw a Bible, never been in the church, mm. other than the uh, church carnival where I, where I broke in with my friend and got chased by the preacher under the pews. Uh, you know, for me, when I when I looked at the church, it like seemed like this big, huge, old Gothic building it had nothing to do with God. I didn't know anything about God. So when you open this book and you, you're reading in the in the back of the book, my conditioning of my mind is day of the Lord. Oh, that means that's just for us, whatever that means. Okay. And then coming and looking at this, not only here, but obviously earlier, seeing this day, the day Yom, the Yom of yud heh I just did a simple thing. And the simple thing was I wanted to find how many times just that phrase was used. And so when I started looking at the phrase, I thought, well, where's the first time the phrase is used? Just exactly like it would be in Hosea. And it was in Isaiah. And then as I was going through each of these verses, I remember I get so frustrated with you. When we first started doing our study together, you probably don't remember this. We'd say, I'd say, well, Nehemiah, here's this issue. And you'd say, well, one of the things you'd want to do is you'd want to look at every time the issue is used. I'm like, what? Why would we do that? I've got my revelation right now. I've got the answer. I want to go preach this verse right now. And and we used to be, you used to force me to do this. It was a blessing to say, well, let's see how the, how the phrase is used in other places. So what was interesting to me about this before we go any further was to go through some of these verses. And I just want to read a few of them. In Isaiah 13, 9, behold, the day of the Lord. I'm reading in English for our English speaking folks, but it's the same phrase, Yom Yehovah. The day of the Lord is coming, cruel with fury and burning anger. Ezekiel 13, 5. You have not gone up to the breaches, nor did you build the wall around the house to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. And then, of course, Joel 1, 15. And I want you to check something. This is really interesting. I says, uh, yeah, Joel 1, 15. Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is near, and it will come as destruction from the Almighty. Joel 2, 1. Very, very well known. Blow a trumpet in Zion. And sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Can't wait till we get to the next verse. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. Joel 2.11. The Lord utters his voice before his army. Surely his camp is very great. For strong is he who carries out his word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome. And, And I'm reading these verses. And the verses are all talking about the idea that this... This day of the Lord, it wasn't just like put in in, without context. It's the day of the Lord that is coming. So meaning it's something that's going to happen. You know, I mean, like, and so what does this mean that it's going to happen? And that's actually what we're going to talk about now. But it caught my attention because oftentimes, as I mentioned, my background says that's something that's a that's a if I can say uh, New Testament issue day of the Lord. But rather, that's actually Mm -hmm. and again. Yeah, to give me, me, it was me always me. a Tanakh issue. I exactly. Mean, it appears 14 times in the Tanakh. Mm-hmm. Um, you just read a few of them. And here's one of the questions about this day, Yom Yehovah, the day mm-hmm. of Yehovah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's really three options as I see it. Um, and, and this is kind of like parallel to what you have in, in, um, 
in the interpretation of, of other books. Mm -hmm. So you have this idea of preterists, historicists, historicists and futurists. Did you mm -hmm. learn about that in theology? <laughs> I don't think I learned it that way. <laughs> okay. So, and, 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 you know, uh, people will often talk about this in, in the context, actually, of the book of Revelation or mm -hmm. Judaism, the book of Daniel. Mm -hmm. So the preterists say, oh, no, everything happened in the past. Yep. This is already done. Whatever is in the book of Daniel was things that happened in the time of Daniel. Mm -hmm. And otherwise, it wouldn't have been relevant for the people who heard the book. Mm -hmm. He was talking about things in his period. The histor historicists, I can't say that Historicist. word. Historicists. Historicists. They, what they'll do is they'll say, no, the things in Daniel, and, and for me it's convenient to speak about Daniel from the Tanakh perspective. Mm -hmm. What they'll say, no, the things in Daniel, those are things that I can look in the newspaper and I can say, oh, the 13 horns, that's the European Union or things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So they're saying it wasn't in the time of Daniel, it's in our day today. Mm -hmm. Of course, that's a little tricky because in every period they do that. Mm -hmm. and, and, in, and I can say from the Jewish perspective that one of the things they've done is they've, they've looked... Um, you know, in, in, you know, a thousand years ago and, and described, you know, kingdoms that don't even exist anymore as, exactly. as the fulfillment of these biblical prophecies. And then there's the futurists who uh, say all this is going to be the end times. Mm -hmm. It's going to be this final end time scenario. And uh, that's what it's referring to. And I think we could say the same thing about the entire book of Obadiah, not just this one book mm -hmm. about the day of Yehovah, which, which, you know, brings up the issue. But is this entire book of Ovadia, is it about um, something that happened in the time of Ovadia? Is it something that happened in history, maybe in our current history? Mm -hmm. Or is it something that's going to happen in the future? Mm -hmm. And then really in the 14 times that we have um, this phrase, Yom Yehovah, the day of Yehovah, mm -hmm. I think in each one of those cases, we individually need to ask that question. Absolutely. And for example, in Isaiah, a lot of uh, uh, you know modern uh, scholars look at this and they say, oh, Isaiah 13, 6 and 9 the day of Jehovah, that's talking about the destruction of Babylon mm -hmm. in uh, you know 538 BC at the hand mm -hmm. of the um, the Persians, which may be, um, or maybe not, or maybe it's something that has a future application, mm -hmm. and, and maybe it was only meant to be in the future. Mm -hmm. And all of these are possibilities that I think we we can legitimately ask these three positions of: is it the preterist position that it, all all of it happened in the time of the prophet? Maybe it's something that can happen in any period of history. The historicists position or the futurist position that it's going to be this end times thing that's happening and i think what i, what I actually have, have found it to be really interesting is times where you can look in the past and say yeah we saw it happen and then look in some present time in, in history and say mm -hmm. oh we saw it happen again yeah absolutely. and then the idea being will we see it happen again right and, and, and when it comes to the edomites are those the edomites the literal edomites or as in jewish tradition they've looked at this from a futurist perspective mm-hmm um, or a historicist perspective, perhaps you could say. Mm -hmm. And they say, no, the, the Edomites are, and I think we've talked about this in, in, in the original Torah pearls, where in Jewish tradition, they look at Edom and they say, oh, Edom is Rome. Mm -hmm. and, and, which, and for them, Rome means the Christianity. Mm -hmm. And they say, Ishmael, that is uh, Islam. Mm -hmm. And so they look at these, you know, the, the brother of Isaac, and they say that's Islam, and the brother of, of uh, Jacob, and they say that's Christianity. Now, why did they say that Edom was, was, uh, was Rome, hence Christianity? Because in Hebrew, if you the letter Dalit and the letter Resh look very, very similar. So mm -hmm. Edom, Rome, mm -hmm. is almost identical in, in its appearance, in its mm -hmm. visual appearance in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, in Jewish tradition, they've said that Edom refers to the, to the Christian kingdoms. And there's Jews to this day who read the book of Obadiah. And it, it, it isn't even a question for them that this is talking about, about, about Christendom, mm -hmm. the kingdoms are in the, and the nations of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Or as I look at it and I say, okay, well, Edom is the brother of Jacob. Isn't that the Edomites of old? But then what is the future application? There is no more Edom. I mean, the mm -hmm. prophecy has been fulfilled. Edom doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. But the day of Yehovah, the one we're looking forward to in the future, that hasn't happened yet. Yeah. So and who's, and who's and going to be Edom to in the future? And I have to say something about that, Nehemiah. One of the things, yeah. one of the reasons that I was really excited about doing this with you is that I really wanted to, to hear uh, another perspective. Mm -hmm. um, where I come from, I, I, I talk a lot about where I come from. You know, as I mentioned, I was an unchurched person. And consider myself still an unchurched person, really, because uh, what I'm more interested in than anything is trying to figure out how God's word affects or applies to me in my life today, apart from tradition. But but the a, a lot of the historic interpretation of these different things, like in Jewish tradition and Christian tradition, you know, you'll pick a certain place. Like, well, in in our lifetime, Russia is this, yeah. and in our lifetime, North Korea is this, and in our lifetime, then they'll pick nations. and And I really struggle with that. I have to be honest with you. Yeah. Because it may be that there's some aspects of a present day nation that looks and acts and smells and feels and looks like, you know, uh, um, what we're reading here. But we, I think we have to be really careful. So what do we want to do? We first want to find out what did it mean? Mm -hmm. Okay. Historically, contextually, right. what did it mean? 
what could it mean now? Yeah. And try to ask how that fits. And then also, what might it mean in the future? Now, about the phrase, the day of the Lord, can mm-hmm. you and I agree on this? Most of the times when I hear we heard the word, word the Yom Yehovah, there's a word after it, like it's coming, it's approaching. It's a it's something that is um, that that you'll know when it comes. It's like this thing is happening. It's going to happen. And and again, historically, that showed itself up in Isaiah when the when the Babylonians came and they say, mm-hmm. OK, that was the day of the Lord. That was the day of Yehovah. That was Yom Yehovah. But the thing that both of us, I think, would would agree that there's going to be a time when Yom Yehovah comes there won't be any doubt that it, that well, it so, is. So yeah. the last time it appears in the prophets is Malachi uh, exactly. chapter 4 verse 5. I was just five. about to go to that. So go ahead and bring that. Yes, yeah, it says, behold, I'm going, uh, 4, 5, 3, in the Hebrew. It says, behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible <laughs> day of the Lord. And what is terrible in Hebrew is Noah, which means yeah. frightening. Yeah, frightening. Yeah. You know, awesome, so, full of awe. So when I see that, Again, looking just at the phrase "day of the Lord," we could spend the rest of our time on this. But I think where there's common ground is that uh, whether it's Tanakh understanding, or even if, if if it's if I can say this from people that come from the other another perspective from the New Testament, everyone would agree that there's going to be a time where you know Amen. when He does what He's going to oh, do. Yeah. It's not going to be something you read in the newspaper and say, "Did that happen?" Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, well, like, and, and then here's the question, though, where it says in Obadiah one, you know, verse fifteen. Uh, it says, you know, Kikarov Yom Yehovah, the day of Yehovah is close upon all the nations. So mm-hmm. that was written, you know, 2,500 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, was it talking about the destruction of Edom mm-hmm. in, in that historical period? Mm-hmm. And it's hard for me to believe it's not. But then I read on and I, I, at the end and, and the things at the end clearly haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, oh I, I'm trying to hold myself for don't, verse don't 20. Do, don't no, do it. What are you talking about? You can't go to verse 20. I'm no, going to slow you down because okay. we got to go to the next verse. Wait, even in this verse is one more thing. And I'll refer people to the book of prayer to our father, Hebrew origins of the Lord's prayer that Keith and I wrote together. Um, and there we actually talk about this verse. I believe we quoted verse 15. When we talk about this idea of midah keneged midah or reciprocal justice. Mm-hmm. In Hebrew, it's literally called measure for measure. And this is a key concept in what uh, Christians refer to as the Lord's Prayer and the Our Father Prayer mm-hmm. that Yeshua taught to the Jewish multitudes. And there he taught about, you know, forgive and you'll be forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that was the concept there. And, and, and you see that throughout his ministry. He says, judge not lest you be judged. It's this mm-hmm. idea of what you do is the way you'll be treated. And then Luke 6.38, he says, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Mm-hmm. And many Christian uh, commentaries comment on this, that he's talking about like measuring out grain. Mm-hmm. And what they're completely, I mean, it's, it's almost hilarious to me to hear that. Because um, in the Hebrew context, there's this phrase, measure for measure. measure for and measure. it means exactly what Obadiah just said here. The, in, in the Tanakh phraseology, it is, uh, your conduct shall be requited. That's in the JPS. Yea, uh in other words, uh, uh, as you did, so it shall be done to you. Your conduct shall be required. In other words, the way you behaved and treated others is how Yehovah will treat you. Mm. And that's exactly what Yeshua is saying in in uh, in the what they call the Lord's Prayer, and in Luke six thirty eight about measure for measure. Mm. And so, there, Hebrew origins of the Lord's Prayer. It's it's a great book that we wrote. And, and with that, I'd like to I'd like to do something if it's okay, Nehemiah. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking a lot about this. You know, I don't know if you know it or not. You get me into a lot of trouble. I do. Uh, there are people who who just ask, you know, what are you doing spending any time? Uh, with this guy, he doesn't believe like you, doesn't think like you, though he is starting to look like you. He's living in your house. What's going on with you two? Uh, and clearly, one of the things that I've known for a long time from the time that I met you is an opportunity to be able to really look at the, the text in its language, history, and context. And for me, once I understand it in language, history, and context, I can then take a next step to say, how does it address for me and my faith? And how does my faith mm-hmm. bring you know, uh, legitimacy to, for my own faith, how scripture comes along and, and, and does that for me? So I want to take a minute just to, to let people know that you know, you and I, we have had a long journey. In 2007, we started studying this process of the, the Hebrew origins of the Lord's Prayer. We wrote the book together number of things happened and we ended up getting a chance to speak about that book in places that shocked us even mm-hmm. um, both the jewish and christian background uh, messianic hebrew roots torah observant different nations um, but then we had a time if i can say a period of time where you went and did some things separate and i did some things separate yeah and you can talk a little bit about that yourself but you've talked a lot about being in china for a year yeah. and for what that did for me during that time is i yeah. just dug in and started working on both the Time Will Tell series and, and mm-hmm. doing documentarians, uh, documentaries and, um, and, and doing writing and producing different things. But where we're at right now, where I'm mm-hmm. at right now, BFAinternational.com, yeah. is mm-hmm. that we're at a real crucial place, especially as this recording is taking place right now. 
we're within a month of the end of a year mm-hmm. that's been probably the year that's cost us the most. Oh, the really? most. This year has, has been a year where we've, we've put everything into what we've done. People talk about Scripture Bites, which is just now coming to the end, a 10-part series. We've done a series on Right on Time. We started out the year, I was actually at Hebrew University working on research and, and filming some things that I haven't gotten a chance to talk about that I really would love to produce. And so for me, why is it, why is this important in the next few weeks is that I'm really looking for some people that will really come alongside and enter into with us at the BFAinternational.com site and become premium content members. And I want to be really clear about this. I need at least, Nehemiah, between yeah. now and the end of the year, 300 people oh, really? to become premium content members. If we can get 300 people that at the minimum do nine ninety nine a month or more, we're mm-hmm. going to be able to go into 2015 and produce things that are going to be absolutely amazing. One thing you've learned as you've yeah. talked about it is it just costs a lot of time yeah. and resources and money to do what we've done. And I think we've produced high quality things but there's so much more that's going to come. We need people that will come alongside. Go to bfainternational.com, become a premium content member. At minimum nine 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 a month, you're going to have access to, I think the number is now 50-some things that are, are available and a whole bunch more that's coming. Mm-hmm. And hopefully people will consider that. I'm going to say that for the next weeks. We, we need 300 people. That's just the bottom line. Yeah. Okay. Well, and of course, Keith and I, uh, we both have separate ministries. My ministry is called Makor Hebrew Foundation, and my website is nehemiaswall.com. And what I need is trumpeters to stand with me on the wall by, by joining my support team. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that we, we are giving to the support team is the support team studies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, actually there's a, a support team study, one of the first ones I did uh, when this whole thing really started uh, about six months ago, is I put out a, a teaching called Netanyahu Schools the Pope. Mm-hmm. And it was a really powerful thing, I think. And one of the things I talk about is this event that took place in in, um, in you know ancient Israelite history, mm-hmm. which had to do with the Edomites, which mm-hmm. most people don't even know about. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, actually the the Edomites were forcibly converted to Judaism by the Hasmonean uh, conquerors, along with the people of Galilee. And it actually sheds a lot of interesting light on things that happened, for example, in the New Testament with Galileans mm-hmm. and other things in in, in uh, Jewish history and Christian history having to do with the Galileans and the Edomites. And so that's uh, over on Nehemiaswall.com. Need these people to come join the support team. And um, the other thing I really want to call on people to do is, you know, I'm getting all these emails from people and and messages on Facebook and and various other routes of people who are really appreciating the Prophet Pearls and the original Torah Pearls that we did together. Mm -hmm. And what I want to ask people to do is to share those things through social media. Mm -hmm. That's really not a small thing. We're looking for 70 elders, for the 70 people to step up and say every week, I'm going to share the link to Prophet Pearls on my Facebook page or on my Twitter account or whatever social media you're mm-hmm. using. And finally, iTunes. We've put out, uh, NehemiasWall.com now has an iTunes uh, podcast, which includes Prophet Pearls. Uh, BFAInternational.com has an iTunes podcast. What we need people to do is not just come and subscribe, but to give ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. And the reason that's important is that if you want people to see what you have on iTunes, other people have to come and give them ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, people will come and they'll be looking in these subjects and they'll never find that these podcasts exist. So please help us get this message out, sharing on Facebook and iTunes ratings and reviews. Mm-hmm. I, I, one thing I like about what we're doing, both of us in both ministries, with NehemiahsWall.com and BFAInternational.com, is how many things... We used to get we used to get these messages from people saying, I can't believe you're charging us for a book. I can't believe you want us to and we'd give away books and we'd yeah. send books. Oh, man. But, but one of the so things that ways. I really like about right now, both at BFAinternational.com yeah. and Nehemiah's Wall, we're we're doing scripture bites free, no no cost. And mm-hmm. you actually uh challenged me on this with, with social media. When you get that message out and you start getting those shares and you yeah. start getting that interaction, it becomes what they call sort of viral. Yeah. People and more and more people see it. I think the first time, the first week we did Scripture Bites, we, we, we did this thing on, on Facebook and it went through the roof. I don't remember how many thousands of people yeah. uh, saw it. But that's an example of something right now that costs you nothing. If you're not able to support Nehemia, whether it's a, the support team or become a part of premium content uh, members, you still get a chance to get a whole lot of information, mm-hmm. inspiration, and revelation at both places. So please visit bfainternational.com and uh, nehemiaswall.com, and we're going to continue. And as always, most of what we offer on both sites is free. Yeah, you that's know? what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. that's that's the bottom line. Now, of course, for those who can, we definitely need you to, to help us. We've got a, we got a, a next oh, few weeks, so it's a big deal. Can we go to my favorite verse of this song? What's your, sure, my favorite verse actually has to do a lot with what I've been dealing with personally yeah. on the process. And it has says here, because just as you drank... On my holy mountain, all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and swallow 
and become, become as if they had never existed. And let me read 17 and we can go back to it. But on Mount Zion, there will be those who escape and it will be holy and the house of Jacob will possess their possessions. And so for me, when I read that, this particular time in my life actually has been really difficult. Um, I've, I've built a relationship with my friend Yehuda Glick. And I, you know, at this point, at the time of the taping right now, uh, he is he's still fighting for his uh, for his life. He's uh, he's getting better um, right now. They're saying that hopefully he's only got one more surgery, but they've had him under uh, anesthesia. And, and, and for those who don't uh, know who is. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to tell him now. But uh, Yehuda and I um, actually met each other this year in 2014 uh, by happenstance. Actually, I was actually working on the Hanukkah project, which is coming out next week, I believe, based on this schedule. It'll be on the 18th, where we, we, we got a chance to go. Uh, two friends came over and really looked at the historical Hanukkah. Well, the end of the Hanukkah project, by happenstance, we found ourselves on the Temple Mount, and I ran into this red-headed rabbi named Yehuda Glick, mm. and I consider him a true Maccabean. I consider him like Judah the Maccabee. He's, he's, a, he's a person who's, who's, who's standing for what's right, calling people to, to, to the Temple Mount, to know that it is a holy mountain, it's a place for people to fulfill the, the prophecy of Isaiah, that all nations might come, a, a, a place uh, for prayer for all nations. And uh, as I said, as of right now, he's uh, he's presently still battling, he's doing better. Hopefully by the time you listen to this, he will be up and he'll be around and be preparing uh, to go back to, to God's holy hill. And when he does that, I want to continue. Our ministry has actually raised resources for Yehuda, Yehuda Glick's ministry, Haliba, uh, which is uh, talks about the heart of of Israel being the Temple Mount, and so for us, for me, when I read this verse and I see what they're talking about, it says, "Just as you drank on my holy hill, all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and swallow and become as if they had never existed." So I read the first thing and I think about. I have to be honest and tell you, for me, I think about what's happening in that place now. Mm-hmm. I, I really, I have to say, and you have to hold me back on this. I am really, really struggling with the political um, game that's being being played in Israel around that place. Uh, many people from my background say, oh, we don't care anything about the Temple Mount. Our place is over at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre or the Garden Tomb. What do we care about the Temple Mount? And not understanding its historic, biblical, linguistic, uh, uh, I mean, the list goes on, practical place of the Temple Mount. It's the only place that God says he placed his name forever and his eyes will be there perpetually and yet we've disconnected it and said okay well we don't want anything to do with that we'll just take the wall my jewish brothers and sisters we'll take the the retaining wall and then the christians many of the christians like well that's not our fight we're on the other side of town and and to be honest biblically i just don't see how we can't address it it keeps coming up in scripture and it's right here for us in in this passage so what does this verse mean though these two verses what, what what do they mean and, and um, so we have this Hebrew expression here about drinking from the cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a Hebrew idiom. Mm-hmm. And it appears in other places. For example, Jeremiah twenty-five fifteen. It says, For thus says Jehovah God of Israel unto me, Take the wine cup of this fury at my hand, and cause all the nations to whom I send thee to drink it. Mm-hmm. And they shall drink and be moved and be mad because of the sword that I will send among them. So drinking from the cup represents Jehovah's wrath, Jehovah's mm-hmm. um, punishment. And uh, so we have actually, it's almost like a a pun here. Mm -hmm. It says, you drank on my holy mountain, meaning they went up to the Temple Mount and they rejoiced for their victory of stripping Israel of every last um, kernel of grain and everything, you know, and taking everyone as slaves. Um, And it's saying, just as you drank on my holy mountain, you you know, uh, all the nations are going to be drinking. Um, and it's, you know, it's going to, they're going to, you know, their, it says their, uh, their speech shall grow thick, meaning they're going to be drunk mm-hmm. and they're going to be drunk with this punishment from Yehovah, mm-hmm. from this, the wrath of Yehovah. And, and as they, uh, and they become as though they had never been. So they're going to be completely destroyed. All these nations that came against Israel, except I love this, but on Zion's Mount, the remnant shall survive and it shall be holy. That remnant isn't from Israel. Mm-hmm. Israel's a separate thing here. Mm-hmm. That's in the second half of the verse. The house of Jacob shall dispossess those who mm-hmm. dispossess them. But the first half of verse 17, but on Zion's mountain, a remnant shall survive and it shall be holy. That is a remnant from those nations. Oh, man. The nations are going to be crushed by the cup of Jehovah, by drinking from the cup of Jehovah's wrath. Mm-hmm. But from those nations, there will be a holy remnant. Mm-hmm. Isn't that exciting? That is extremely exciting. And you know what? There are people. And again, this is where it's hard for me. You know, we talked about yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, it's been it's been really hard for me. I've 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 spent time uh, studying this. In fact, we did an entire I did an entire um, 
project that I haven't even been able to address just regarding not only the Temple Mount, but the Ark of the Covenant and the issues regarding that in the Temple Mount. And that's where, that's where Yehuda helped me immensely. Uh, I think but I was this, in that one too. Yeah, you're also in that. Are you ever going to produce it? Yeah, am I ever going to produce it? Need 300 people before the end of the year. <laughs> no, I would love to have some people get a chance to see what we've done. In fact, I haven't gotten a chance to show uh, anyone that. But I want to I want to yeah. stick on this issue of, of yeah. Mount Zion yeah. and this phrase Mount Zion over and over again. Even the Torah scroll that I get, you know. <laughs> What, what, well, the you know, shall go forth from Zion. From Zion. It's a place. I mean, yeah. there, it, it's there. And, and what's so beautiful to me, Nehemiah, is that I can actually look at it. When I think about it, I get emotional. I can look at it and I can see it. It's there. Yeah. And it's the place that God has placed his name. And it says his eyes are there. I believe it's even his, his ears are there perpetually. And, and yet there's this disconnect mm-hmm. that's happened both on the political side I don't want to get too political, but I'm, I'm extremely concerned about what I hear from the United States regarding this and other places that somehow, you know, leave that issue alone. Well, in the end, yeah. it's not going to be left alone. It's going to be the center. And, of- and just for people who don't know, um, and, and if you've been to Israel, you'll probably be even more confused. So there, there's the Temple Mount, what mm-hmm. we call Harabite, the Temple mm-hmm. Mount. Mm-hmm. And in the in the Tanakh, that is Mount Zion. Mm-hmm. It, and uh, I remember when I studied archaeology that, that there's this other place that people call Mount Zion. And in Hebrew University in the archaeology department, they used to call that the place the tour guides call Mount Zion, <laughs> as opposed to the real Mount Zion, yeah. which is the Temple Mount. Yeah, which, by the way, that's where the Pope decided to go when he was there. He went over to the other Mount Zion. To the fake Mount yeah, Zion. Yeah, the fake Mount Zion. The real Mount Zion is uh, there where there's this battle. So, Well, you know, accept no imitations. Accept no imitations. You know, we got to do something real with one. that. Take the real one. Um, so... Can 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 I mean I'm not sure how much time we Oh my goodness oh. I can't believe it <laughs> it's already an hour I've got to start shutting shutting down here uh, we said this last week Nehemiah yeah. and I thought it was really interesting I really appreciated your approach to that it's always been that we want people to to help us we want people yeah. to help us help them by studying in depth these passages and then bringing their comments mm-hmm. to our to our site. Now I want to Absolutely. say something. I want to say something. There's probably some, and be a no, there's some people that are probably like, well, how do you guys do this ministry minute thing? Let me explain something. We can't even do this show. Mm-hmm. We can't even record it. We can't have it edited. We can't have the server. We can't do anything without having those faithful people that have stood with you and have stood with us. Yeah. And you know what? I think it's an opportunity for people to to understand what we're doing, and not only what we're doing from a financial standpoint, but entering in with us in terms of the study, mm-hmm. actually going to the passage, reading the passage, praying about the passage, and comment on both pages. Because we've got different people, yeah. even that, you know, some people don't go to Nehemiah's Wall, some people don't go to BFA International. But if you're a person that would comment, go to both places and make your comment. And let's see if we can't have start having some, uh, what do we call it, um, Conversation. Some back, some conversation dialogue, dialogue. Uh, back and forth. But I want you to give you an opportunity. Yeah. You can go ahead and decide if the next verse you want to deal with. But I, we're almost, we're at an hour, so you just... Uh, uh, no, <laughs> the best stuff's always at the end of these prophecies. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, um, so where are we in verse 18? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's skip ahead here. because we. Oh, verse 19. Yes, oh my yes, gosh. yes, yes. Um, or let's just go to verse 20. Yes. It says, uh, and the exiled force of Israelites is JPS. And the exiled force of Israelites shall possess what belongs to the Phoenicians as far as Sarfat. Mm-hmm. While the Jerusalem exiled community of Sarad shall possess the towns of the Negev. And every time I go to the Negev and I see, and, and you know, Sfarad, it says here in, in the Hebrew, Sfarad has been understood uh, in Jewish history to be Spain. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and, and uh, every time I go to the Negev and I see Jews who, whose ancestors were exiled in Spain mm-hmm. and they are now living and have they, you know, filled the cities of the Negev. Like you go to Beersheba or mm. Ofakim or Sderot, which is constantly be bombarded by Hamas. Um, these are cities of, of Jews, mostly Svaradim, of Jews mm. who came from originally from meaning not originally, but in 1492 were expelled from Spain and originally came from Jerusalem, according to this verse. Mm. And we can actually go around the Negev today and see the literal fulfillment of this. And, you know, my great-grandfather, after who I'm named after, Nehemiah uh, Robinson, was a rabbi in Chicago. If he had gone to the Negev and traveled through it, he wouldn't have seen any of those places, any of those people. He would have seen, mm. you know, desolate, empty, uh, you know, uh, r- ruins. And now the Jerusalemite exile community of Spain of Sfarad has possessed the towns of the Negev. This verse has been fulfilled. Mm. That's amazing to me. <laughs> ah, that's amazing. Like literally been fulfilled. Mm. Well, I don't know how we're going to get through the word, the second word of 21. Uh, can oh, I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> this is in the English Bible. Yeah, what do you got? In the NASB, it says, The deliverers will ascend Mount Zion to judge the mountain oh. of Esau, Esau 
yeah. and the kingdom will be the Lord's. What do you have, Nathaniel? It says, and the Moshiim, the saviors. That's the same word we had, uh, I think it was our first uh, word of the week, Moshiach. And this is the plural, Moshiim. And the saviors shall ascend Mount Zion to judge the Mount Esav, um, and to Yehovah shall be the kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to get excited about yeah. that. <laughs> no, it, it's, that's, that's, that's it really amazing. And, and you know, it's interesting, to me. that's 21 verses, and that's the entire book. Yeah, uh, Obadiah, Obedia, Obedia. and uh, um, I, I really want to challenge people to to read it again and to to we, we obviously didn't address in depth a whole lot of stuff. Yeah, no, so, there's a lot. I mean, I have all these pages of notes we didn't get to. <laughs> Let's quickly end this thing. <laughs> so, so you, can, can we end with a prayer? Absolutely, we must. Yeah, and and where was that verse that we were looking at before? Um, Oh, about the remnant. Can I read that? Yes, um, that would be that, nice. That's going to be my prayer. Okay. Um, where is this for where, where the verse? Here it is. Um, here it's uh, Obadiah chapter one verse seventeen, and, and and I want to read this other verse um, in Zechariah, in Zechariah, which has to do with the same theme of you know it says to Yehovah will be the kingdom, and there it says uh, Zechariah fourteen verse nine, one of my favorite verses in the Tanakh. Mm -hmm. It says, and Yehovah shall be king over the over all the earth. In that day there shall be. Uh, Yehovah will be one and his name will be one, is what it says in Hebrew. Yehovah, Avinu Shabashamayim, Yehovah, our Father in heaven, Melech HaOlam, King of the universe. Yehovah, we look forward to your kingdom here on earth. I look forward to being in that kingdom, Yehovah, with the remnant, mm -hmm. remnant of the nations who you gather together, Yehovah, and Yehovah with the exiles from the different nations of your people, the diaspora. That you gather back and you plant back in the land of their forefathers, back in the land that you promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yehovah, please let this um, let this come soon. This era of world peace that we will have under the leadership of your King Messiah. Let be let us be in that kingdom soon, Father. Mm -hmm. And until that time, Yehovah, let us have peace. And let us be able to sit with brothers, Jew and Gentile, and meditate upon your name day and night. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit NehemiasWall.com and BFAInternational.com.